Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Dr. Mike Wall. Today, we're going to check back in with the team at Young Adult Cancer Canada to hear about their program and how they're helping young adults who face the terrifying diagnosis of cancer. Now, cancer in young adults isn't all that common. About 8,000 Canadians per year are diagnosed. But for those patients, there's a lot of isolation, even when surrounded by support. Quite often, they're the first of their peer group to get a serious illness, and the expectations of life and setting the foundations for your later years is in full effect as a young adult. This makes a cancer diagnosis that much more challenging for this group. So today we have my friend Jeff Eaton, founder of Yak and cancer survivor, joining us to tell us about his organization. We're also joined by Dr. D'Agostino, who's a cancer psychologist and board member at Yak. Lastly, we hear about the inspirational story of Celine Harris, who's a cancer survivor and a strong advocate for the Young Adult Cancer Canada mission. It's an inspirational episode for anybody who's facing cancer or a serious illness. So let's get to it. Hey, Jeff, welcome to the show. Hey, dude, great to be back. Yes, exactly. Second time on the show, but also I saw each other recently when I was visiting your office, which really made me think, you know, we need to revisit this topic because it's such an important story. For the people that are listening that may not know about your organization, can you tell me a little bit about yourselves? Yeah, so Young Adult Cancer Canada, Mike, we call ourselves YAC for short. And, you know, an organization really born out of my experience. I was a a regular 22-year-old kid at a university and doing all the things that a 22-year-old kid should be doing. And six months later, passed out of a business reception. A couple of days after that, diagnosed with acute myeloid leukemia. So uh, the whole world flipped upside down for me, for sure. And I had a wild road of treatment, bone marrow transplant from my dad, ICU for a month on life support, super sick, not expected to come out of there a bunch of times. But I did. And, you know, uh, as I processed and then started to rebuild slowly, I... um, I felt like I had you know, an experience that I could really build on. And that was certainly by my nature, was the start stuff. And Yak became the, the next thing uh, for me in my professional life and, and you know, uh, obviously a personal passion. But it really came out of three pieces for me. One certainly is when you're 22 and you get diagnosed with cancer, you get a bit of a wake-up call, at least I did. Maybe I don't have the next 60 years to make my mark. I might not have a year or two or three, I don't know what the time is. So I had this like heightened desire to to do something that could make an impact. And I was still definitely like processing what I'd been through, man. I had been through a crazy year and a half mm-hmm. uh, prior to starting Yak and I deal through doing. So that is a huge part of my coping and how I figure life out. So that was a huge driver behind Yak. And, and, and then finally, but you know, probably most importantly, I had real life lived experience. So I knew some of the challenges intimately that, that face young adults and, and felt like I needed to do something with that, that experience. And, and those three things collided in the, in the universe to help me take, yeah, the first step of starting Yak. And as I often say, I get lots of credit for that first step. Yeah. But uh, big team effort ever since that first step, man. Well, yeah, you guys have grown and we're going to talk about the growth that you guys have had where you are helping people all across the country now, which is an incredible thing. And, you know, this kind of also came to mind too, because I went and saw Mike Dawes uh, new documentary of the day. You guys helped support that effort as well. And that's such an inspiring story, but maybe you could walk us through 
some of the key tools and resources that you make available to people that are young that are suffering with cancer? Maybe also define what is considered young for cancer. Yeah, that's an excellent couple of questions. Uh, you know, it, it's taken a while, but I think there's growing consensus. I wouldn't say there is absolute consensus, but there's growing consensus around this adolescent, young adult population of the cancer world to be 15 to 39. In Yak's world, we also include those who were diagnosed now as pediatric patients and now in that late teens, 20s, and 30s. So if you think about just the diagnosis in that AYA space, you're talking about 8,000 a year in Canada and an estimated 250,000 Canadians living with or beyond a diagnosis of cancer as a young adult. So not the not the mass in the cancer center, but, but significant numbers and uh, a really important group for a whole bunch of reasons, not the least of which is our potential to be the leaders of today and tomorrow. Mixed with the pressure, I would suggest that many of us have with probably responsibility on the lower end and the upper end, combined with building a career and, and a life. So it's a unique space, and, and that's one of the real drivers behind Yak's Life is, uh, is cancer's different for young adults. It's not more difficult. You know, we've we've been touched by cancer in a whole bunch of ways. Almost everybody listening today has had someone they know or love be diagnosed with cancer. It's a big challenge anytime, but for young adults, it's different just because of their state of life. Yeah. And Yak is built on that premise, really. Yeah, that's that's something that's really important. I think is that you know when somebody's older in life, they may have their job established, they may have some security in life, as opposed to being twenty and just being about to hit the ground running and then just have to take this massive stop. You guys help support people through that really trying time. How do you go about doing that? Because it's got to be a bit of a challenging audience, especially when a lot of cancer programs probably aren't even made to help them. Yeah, it's uh, I joke every now and then. Like I think we're probably 15 years ahead of our time because no one really talked about young adult cancer at all uh, when we started in 2000. Um, but we, one of the first things we did in our first strategy was look across the country to see who's out there. And uh, we couldn't find anybody doing anything. So, uh, you know, ever since that strategy, we've been really focused on, on being that resource, the support resource, as you said, for these young adults. And, and we did that to start by building community. And isolation is one of the biggest challenges they face because for, for me and almost all of my yacker, as we affectionately call them, yacker peers, almost all of us will be the first one of our friends to get diagnosed with cancer. So you got like you can be loved and supported like I was, but not really have anybody that you can connect with to get support and, and, and lean on in a way that you really need to. So this community became the piece that we started with and focused on. And it was web-based community and face-to-face -face community. I mean, this beautiful combination pre-COVID of, you know, powerful four-day events, local social events, and then the, the, the web communities in various forms where they could stay connected. And, you know, COVID obviously was almost exclusively virtual. And, and we're just coming back out of that now to, to resume more of the face-to-face -face activities and programming. And but it's all still centered around this idea of community. So we serve young adults from coast to coast to coast, and we have for 20 years, and, and that's, the, that's the focus of the organization. And I can't see that changing anytime soon. I sure hope it doesn't. Yeah, it's, it's, it's something that I think that people have good intentions to support, but like you said, it'd be difficult to connect because no one would actually understand what it's like to go through that process. Now, I've had 
three of my friends diagnosed with glioblastoma, uh, two of which didn't make it through and, and died at a young age. And it was just so shocking for us as friends to to have this. But I wonder, you know, how challenging it was to navigate that alone when no friends could really relate in any way whatsoever. So having that group would be important. So when you say that you have these events for people, are they done across the country now? Yeah. So we've always had this view of being a national resource, like I said, primarily because there was nobody doing it. Um, we we were looking for a big brother, a big sister years ago, and we, we couldn't find anybody. So our goal has always been to build a national community for young adults with cancer. And that's really come from a simple belief that we think everybody in our community is better served by having access to everybody in the country. So we're, we're way better to do that. And that's our goal. And it still is. The post-COVID programming model is evolving for us. We've come up with this beautiful new idea of a house party with a purpose, of course, you know, one day powerful program for survivors. We're delivering that across the country between Victoria and St. John's and local life continues to roll on in that social space. Uh, these are like local casual hangout events that we've been running for over a decade now, again, in eight markets across the country. And the web offerings that we started during COVID are continuing, beautiful web chats program we have for survivors to get connected face-to-face. We just launched a brand new website, which we're super pumped about. So there's a continued evolution in the, in the virtual space, and there will be. But I think the balance for us is finding the, the face-to-face versus virtual ratio uh, as we go forward. Uh, because thankfully, I've said this often, like our we're dealing with young adults. Like we, we had to move into the COVID, the pandemic, and and go online more. Well, our people were already there. There was we were there. Let, let's just go. We just got new and fun, different things we can do. Yeah. So we've been doing that, and and fortunate, right? So so there's a lot of good luck in any piece of success, and we certainly have our share of that. We're here with the team at Young Adult Cancer Canada, talking about the great work they do here in Newfoundland and Labrador and across the country. We'll be right back after the break. Welcome back. We're here with the team from Young Adult Cancer Canada talking about the great work they do here in Newfoundland and Labrador and across the country. Let's get back to the episode. Sometimes I think about a program for cancer. People think about like this sort of quantitative measurement of how effective it is, like oh, survival rates increased or this, this, and this. But I have to think that creating community for people that are going through a trying time gives a lot more than just those statistics in medicine. What are some of the examples or stories, or do you have an example you can share with us of somebody who's gone through the program where it's made a significant change in their life? I mean, I got, uh, thankfully, I got tons of those stories, and they're they're some of our favorite. But I I will tell you, um, one of my favorites is to tell is, is my buddy Colin Anderson. I'll send him the link to the show after. Colin is like a guy's guy, air, air, uh, airline mechanic, Vancouver Canucks fan, living in Calgary. Diagnosed with a brain tumor the same day he and his wife find out that they're pregnant. And Colin hears about Yak. I don't remember how he heard about Yak, but he, he goes on the web and he reads all 200 Yakker profiles on the website before he reaches out. He reads every story and then he reaches out and he comes to a retreat. And Colin summarizes his retreat experience. He said, some people talk like, uh, you know, cancer made him a better person. It's like, cancer made me worse. I was bitter and angry. Yak made me better. Oh, that's nice. And Colin came out of that retreat, and then he went on to do everything with Yak. Mm. He was an, a founding local life leader in Calgary to start the social program there. 
He was a speaker at conference. He was an attendee at conference many times, like like the least eloquent, but most powerful survivor conference speaker we've ever had, I'd say. Colin, you definitely get those props for us still. But then he got to this point where years later, he wrote a note and he's like, I think I'm good. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Like that, that's, that's, that's the best. That's like, and he's still in, he's still in a group. Uh, he's still around. Um, but, but he had, he had got what he needed. And that, and that's how Yaks been built. We are uh, all kinds of fun analogies. Hotel California, you can check out anytime you want, but you can never leave. Yeah. Um, we're really, we're like, we're actually like the, the buffet for cancer support. Mm-hmm. You can come back as often or as little as you want. And, and that's the goal uh, as how we're set up is an, another big kind of theme, I think, Mike, in our programming and the community is we'll see people lean in heavily and then they'll pull back and they'll like, like Colin, they'll go other things in life, whatever the reason is. But, you know, so often if something comes up, they, they, they lean right back in. Uh, and that's our mantra is every cancer, every stage act's got your back. And they know once they come in, we've got their back uh, for as long as they need us to have their back. And they can decide how much or how little they lean into us. I think that's a really important point. And why I think that's so valuable is knowing that you guys are there as a security in case they need it is great. But people creating an identity around an illness, especially one as devastating as cancer, isn't necessarily the best thing for somebody's long-term mental health. It's, It's a traumatic situation. But when you're clear of it, get clear of it, right? And I'm sure you guys... You know, help with that. But if it ever comes back, because we know those things can rear their head again, it's nice to know that they've got a home for it. Yeah, I think that's a really powerful way to approach it. And you know, it's almost good when somebody draws away at that point and leaves your club. Oh, for yeah, you. yeah, that's right. Exactly right. Yeah. Okay, so you guys obviously, it's not just based on good intentions. You guys are based on the things that are most effective for these types of individuals, whether that be counseling, psychological. How do you guys uh, work with the medical professionals to make sure the time you have with people is as valuable as it can be? And that's an excellent question. I mean, the, the health professional network of YAC is extensive and, and growing. That's that's another beautiful opportunity of COVID is, uh, you know, all the rounds presentations went virtual, Mike. Once upon a time, we used to have to be in a city to go talk to all the health professionals, but not anymore, man. We can, yeah. We've been doing the whole country this year, like from my office right here. Which is beautiful because young adults have been really isolated and, and cut out, and that experience was changed so much during COVID. The health professionals' referrals are a primary way that survivors find us. Like the nurses, the social workers, the docs, like all of the health professionals, they can have such a huge impact on a young adults' experience by making referrals to organizations like that. Yeah, survivors take those words uh, oftentimes very seriously. So we continue to build this network. Uh, you're going to talk to Norma D'Agostino. Uh, she's a psychologist, Princess Margaret in Toronto. She's awesome, awesome champion for YAC on our board. But Norma's been connected to our programs on facilitation side since 2006. And uh, Norma will always say she certainly does things with for young adult survivors that we don't and can't do. But the same is also true for Yak. Mm-hmm. Um, Norma can't make them feel normal. You think about validation or normalization. She can't give them friends. Mm-hmm. She can't give them community. So there's so many things that we do that is a complement to the system. And that's how we always have positioned ourselves. And they are very open. Like I've never once talked to a health professional. I was like, I don't get it. I, I don't I don't see the need. All my young adults are doing great. Like that we're good. Thanks. Like that's never happened. They see us as a a way to help make their job easier and more effective. And that's what we're here to do. So those health professionals across the country are are an incredible resource for us and we lean on them all the time. And 
and we like to think that they lean on us too. And that's, that's the win-win that we've got going. Well, that's right. And, you know, I think that brings us to an important point is that these things just don't happen on their own. They require funding. You guys are a charitable organization. What can you share about some of the fundraisers you have going on? I know Shave for the Brave, very well-known uh, event, but maybe you can explain some of those and what you have coming up in the summer people can participate in. Yeah. So the Shave for the Brave is our biggest community fundraiser. It's the most powerful haircut of your life, like you said, uh, from three years old to 83 and everything in between. We're just winding down the, the school season. Uh, we'll get that ramped up again for next year, which would be super exciting. we got a couple of really cool big shaves coming up. And the first time ever, we'll have the official Stampede Shave for the Brave in July. It was super exciting. Cool. Uh, so if people who want the most powerful haircut of their life, we can hook them up with that. And you know, I, there's um, any number of ways to help you out. You don't have to shave your head. Third-party events, people just have ideas and volunteer and put their heart into it. Uh, we're so grateful for people who step up and help in that way. And, and we're a registered charity, just like you said, independent organization with our own board. And we live on the generosity of others, literally. So so the programs we provide are directly connected to the the generosity of others and their time and their and their funds and their gifts. And, and that's how we live. So we're we're so grateful for those and look forward to continuing to grow that base of supporters so that we can help more young adults across the country. I think that's, yeah, that's that's such an important organization. And one of the things, you know, you being the face of it and being out there, you're so active in the community and you're always up for sharing your story, which is really powerful because it allows us to be able to get the message out for people as well. And the most important recipients of this message today are the people that may be going through this. And so if somebody is listening that fits that sort of category and thinks that they could benefit from your help, how can they get a hold of Yak? So youngadultcancer.ca is the web. They can find us on the socials and stuff as well. But I would say to anybody who's hearing this today, a lot of young adults just want to get through cancer and forget about it. And and for some, they, that might be the best path. But but I, I believe deeply that you know it, it hits every area of your life. And, and whether it's cancer or any other type of challenge, I feel like we're better served ourselves to, to process that and put that in a place that hopefully is, is, a, is a positive thing for us, if not entirely positive, just we can take valuable things from it. It's the resume of life, if you will. But then to know that, uh, you know, we've never had a yacker reach out to us and say it was too early. I have dozens and dozens of stories of yackers reaching out to say, man, I wish I had found you guys earlier, or I wish I had made this step to reach out earlier. Um, we're here, we've got your back, and we got people in our community just like you. I guarantee it. And it'll be a life-changing experience for you. we got research on that now to back that up. But we, it, it'll be a life-changing experience for you to connect with other adults just like you. Yeah, it's a scary journey to go on by yourself. And there's a whole group of people that are have been up that mountain lots of times before to help. Yeah. You know, where's the future of Yak as we close up? I know that you created this from scratch. You've grown it. You've created an amazing network and touched literally thousands of people through this program. Where do you guys see this going and what's next for you guys? Yeah, thanks, Mike. 5,000 yakers in our community coast to coast to coast right now. Our strategy is right now to double that. You may remember I said there's about 250,000 Canadians living with or beyond. Um, so we're going to, to make a bigger mark uh, on the survivor community in the other adult space. And we are minutes away from submitting the research protocol of our next big, huge research effort, a longitudinal study to to monitor and measure recovery in young adults, holistic recovery. We invest so much resources in the treatment phase of life, which of course is a really important space, but we invest hardly anything in the rest of the patient's life. And, and that's the space where YAC's mission really picks up. 
and it's where our next research effort will really focus. That's excellent. Well, thanks again for joining me today and coordinating all these guests for, for this episode. I really appreciate your insights and I know everybody listening did as well. Thanks so much for having us back, Mike. And I hope uh, somebody out in your audience there is going to reach out to you today because we're here for you. We're here with the team at Young Adult Cancer Canada talking about the great work they do here in Newfoundland and Labrador and across the country. We'll be right back after the break. Welcome back. We're here with the team from Young Adult Cancer Canada talking about the great work they do here in Newfoundland and Labrador and across the country. Let's get back to the episode. Hi, Dr. D'Agostino. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Mike. I'm glad you could join us today. We are talking about Young Adult Cancer Canada, and you are obviously involved with them. But maybe you could tell our listeners a little bit about your background and your medical specialty. Okay, so I'm a clinical health psychologist. I'm currently working at the Princess Margaret Cancer Center, but I started off as a developmental psychologist, graduated with an applied developmental PhD from the University of Toronto, went on to do a psychosocial oncology postdoc at the Hospital for Sick Children, was on staff there for a few years before transitioning to Princess Margaret, and after transitioning, I've been there for almost 20 years. So my whole career has been involved in cancer and psychosocial oncology in some shape or form right from the start. That's not where I thought I was going to end up. Yeah, it's funny how your your path takes you in different ways to be able to help people. I ended up uh, on oil rigs helping people with health, so who would have thought, right? But it's where you can make a great impact, and that's what you do each day when you work with Yak as well. What is your role with Young Adult Cancer Canada? That too has a long history. It started right at the same time as my transition to Princess Margaret, and you know, when I was working in the pediatric center, we had something like a camp for kids with cancer, and you know. Cancer in an adult setting is usually with older people, and my role was to work with those 18 plus in the younger age range, and I was feeling a culture shock. And luckily, soon after working there, my boss, who knew I had an interest in young adults, introduced me to Jeff. So literally, I had been there maybe six months, and he was my answer to the equivalent of you know, developmentally appropriate uh, resources for the population I was working with. So I started off volunteering with them at their retreats, helping to facilitate programs, quickly moved on to be like a champion consulting around program development and research. I continue to go back and facilitate at any program I can because I just love doing the actual work. But I also now sit on the board of YACs and, you know, try and help advocacy and awareness and fundraising, and the whole whole business side of it too. Yeah, I, I mean, you're the right person to talk to about when we get down to the root of why this is so important, because obviously you have an important role. But if we were looking at the population of young adults with cancer, why is it really important to focus on mental health of those people? And I know you could probably speak for days on this topic, but you know, what, what should we know about that? Well, we should know that it's happening. Cancer, I don't think, is ever welcome, but cancer in young adulthood, I think, is particularly challenging because it's contra to what is supposed to be happening at that age. You're supposed to be feeling invincible. You're supposed to be dreaming of the future you want for yourself and building it. And you know, you're just got your lease on life. You're not a kid. Your parents are not, you know, making the decision for you. You have the choices. You have the growing independence. You have 
the big responsibility of building your life. And then you get an interruption like cancer that like totally attacks your body and takes you out of everything else your peers are doing. All in some ways, like a child again, because you become way more dependent on your parents than you had been for a few years. Um, and it also makes you feel like an old person because you lose your strength and you lose the abilities and that premature forced acknowledgement of mortality. It's, you know, the kids, if you're younger than the adolescent, young adult age, don't fully understand. And the older adults, you know, have had the luxury of fulfilling most of their dreams. But the people in this, you know, middle ground, I think they get hit the hardest. Cancer is hard at all ages and for anyone touched by the disease, the patient, the caregivers, the family, the friends. But I think it's this clash of developmental stage that is the problem for the young adults and adolescents who are faced with this. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I could only imagine. I think about hustling in my early 20s and all those things and having to put the brakes on in the middle. That would be extremely challenging, especially people with young families and all these other aspects. So how are you able to help these individuals? So what are some of the modalities that you may use with them? So a lot of it is really normalizing what they're going through and every reaction they have, every emotional, physical cognitive reaction they might have, like letting them know that what is happening to them is part of the process of cancer at this age. And it they're rare. They're not likely to see lots of people like them, either in the pediatric hospital or in the adult hospital, but to let them know that there are other people like them. Because the peer support is so vital at that age, right? Your family is always important your peers are especially important in this young adulthood. So connecting them with other people like them so they don't feel so alone. And then also hoping to give them permission to be like a normal young adult whenever they can, rather than to feel like they fit in nowhere and can't interact with their healthy peers. I mean, they have real limitations, but I think helping them try to integrate, reintegrate or stay integrated into that non-cancer world during treatment and as soon as possible post-treatment is really important, but also letting them recognize that it's not over when the treatment is over and the process of rebuilding their lives and making sense of what just happened to them and figuring out how they're still the same as who they were before this happened to them and who they are now because it's impossible to go through something like this without being changed and still get back to thinking about their future with some kind of hope, even if there's uncertainty, even if there's high risk of relapse, even if there is overwhelming fear about not being able to live the life that you thought you were going to have or live a long life. But it's about trying to get them to think about living rather than only think about dying. Yeah, and I'm sure that there is a lot of processing that occurs with people. Is it sometimes difficult to get them to buy into the process where there's not a lot of people they can relate to going through the same situation? Yes, and I think this is natural for people of all ages, but I think it's very, very prominent in people in this age range. I think they have the sense that, okay, this is six months, eight months, a year, three years of treatment. But the minute treatment's done, I'm just picking up from where I left off and I'm just going to go back to being my old self. And 
And I think they have to go through that process of trying to get there and recognizing that that's impossible before they truly buy into the, okay, it's not over. I need to figure out what the new normal is now. And I do need help. I need help both from my healthy peers. I need help from cancer peers. I need help from professionals. I, I need help from employers or educators, from family, from friends. But it's really hard when you are supposed to have it, you know, all figured out because you're young and strong and in charge now um, to recognize that. Yeah. Yeah. I could only imagine that that's a very steep learning curve for somebody who comes in with that invincibility um, built in and then having to to slow down when they really don't want to. I'm sure that through your career, you had countless success stories, but is there anything that stands out to you that would be a sort of inspirational to people that are listening here today? Yes. I mean, there are so many success stories and they don't have to be superhuman because I think that's the pressure that often comes in, right? Like it's success to just figure out a new way to be happy and live within whatever permanent changes you might be dealing with, whether it be reduced energy, whether it be some kind of organ failure or damage, whether it be neurocognitive or vision or hearing, because there's lots of toxicities of the treatments or loss of limb because of amputation or things like that, that can be permanent physical changes. And there can be permanent psychological changes there could be permanent social changes. Some relationships don't survive this process in trauma. But so for me, I think every cancer survivor is a success story because if they're learning to live in a way that allows for happiness and contains fear to its appropriate level and has the ability to tolerate the uncertainty that comes with every follow-up scan and every checkup or every new lump or bump or symptom that could be a very normal illness, but they have to first go through, oh my goodness, I hope it's not cancer again. So I think every survivor is a success story. But I mean, if we had to highlight one, I'm going to highlight Jeff Eaton, right? He's the ultimate success story in a way, the national representation for us. He had a very serious illness. He's had two transplants, which are really serious treatments. He was never supposed to be a dad. I, I met Jeff when he thought he had a two-year lifespan. And when he exceeded that, that's probably when things really got hard for him. He's like, oh my goodness, I'm not going to die. So I have to really figure out how I'm going to live. And, and, you know, I watched him navigate that. And in the same context, he wasn't only trying to think about himself, he was trying to think about every other young person touched by this in this age range. And he's made a huge difference. So he definitely regained happiness and health in his life, despite the obstacles. So my definition of success as a survivor, but he's also changed the lives of so many other survivors. So I don't think there is a better success story. Yeah, it's funny. There's a saying I heard one time, is if life gives you lemons, make orange juice and make them wonder how you did it. <laughs> so that's what he did. He didn't just make lemonade. He's uh, an inspirational guy and yeah. uh, and somebody who's made a huge difference, just like yourself. And I think that, you know, this is our opportunity right here before you go. What advice would you give to people listening when it comes to paying attention to their mental health when they're dealing with cancer or anything serious in their life? Yeah, I really think that you have to pay attention to your body. You have to pay attention to your mind 
you also have to pay attention to your soul. And if all three of those things are not working as well as they possibly can, you're not living your best life. And so you can't put all your eggs in one of those baskets. You really have to make sure that you're honoring all three and that you're not sacrificing one for the service of other. It's really balancing all of them. So yeah, there's that pressure to make up for lost time and catch up in school or in careers. And so, you know, as soon as your body feels somewhat strong and healthy and able again, that's not enough. You need to make sure that your mind and your emotions and your brain and your soul are there too. And then you can hit the ground running again. But be kind to yourself and give yourself the opportunity to truly heal before you try and get back to being your invincible young self. <laughs> That's great. Well, I think your patients and the people you work with are really lucky to have you. Thank you so much for joining us today on the show. Oh, my pleasure. I, I think that they are, you know, doing me more good, showing me every day the power of the human spirit. So it's a win-win for everyone. That's excellent. Well, thanks for sharing all your knowledge today. Thank you. Bye-bye. We're here with the team at Young Adult Cancer Canada talking about the great work they do here in Newfoundland and Labrador and across the country. We'll be right back after the break. Welcome back. We're here with the team from Young Adult Cancer Canada talking about the great work they do here in Newfoundland and Labrador and across the country. Let's get back to the episode. Hi, Celine. Welcome to the show. Hi. Thanks for coming on today. I know it's kind of short notice, but uh, I ran into Jeff the other day. I had a great chat with him, found out what was new and exciting with Yak, and uh, thought I would have you guys on the program. So glad you could join us. Thank you. I'm so, so happy to be here. Well, I mean, maybe you could start off by giving our listeners a little bit of a background on yourself. Sure. Um, well, my name is Celine. I was diagnosed with uh, cervical cancer in March of 2018. It was definitely a surprise. We uh, we weren't expecting it. I had recently moved to Manitoba when I was diagnosed. I was 30 at the time of diagnosis. I was a mom with two young kids. I was married. We just bought a big house, you know, just started a new job and everything was going right. And then of course, you know, roadblock <laughs> of course a big roadblock yeah yes definitely so as a young person with cancer i think it's one of the things that's been established today is that you know it's not something that there's a huge resource network for because not a lot of young people develop cancer especially one that requires long-term treatment things like this how did you find out about yak and was it suggested to you or do you stumble upon it or what so actually, it's it's a story I really love sharing. So uh, cervical cancer is is something that typically happens in the older generation. And so a lot of the information out there was definitely geared towards women who are postmenopausal. Um, after my surgery, so I did have a hysterectomy, and then I was followed by 28 rounds of pelvic radiation, which is six weeks straight, Monday to Friday. And uh, I think I was about two weeks in and every day the texts were amazing. They asked me how I'm doing. And one day I just broke down. I just cried. Uh, I you know, felt like I was failing as a mom because I was constantly sick. I felt like I was failing at my job because I was tired all the time and I couldn't afford to take time off work. So I worked through my treatments. My marriage was falling apart. So I felt like I was failing there too. It was... I, I, 
they asked me how I was doing and everything just hit a pinnacle and I just broke down crying. And so what they ended up doing was referring me to psychosocial oncology through Cancer Care Manitoba. And that was my very first introduction with um, any therapy. And through there, um, they connected me through ACT. That's an interesting thing about younger people. They're just in the middle of everything in life. And then this roadblock hits. And, you know, I can only imagine having all those responsibilities and all that pressure for the first time in your life at a very pivotal point, And then dealing with something as serious as that. And that's unbelievable that you had to work through it. and You were able to do that. That's uh, kudos to you for that. You mentioned that it impacted you and that you, you went in in a pretty vulnerable state. When you started working with Yak, what was the sort of process and how did you notice it helping as you went through your journey? So while I was going through my journey, I unfortunately had multiple different life altering moments around the same time. So shortly after my surgery, I found out that my husband was having an affair. So we were going through the process of a separation as well, uh, while I was going through my surgeries and treatments and recovering. And Meeting Yak and in Manitoba, we're very lucky that we have an in-person support group. We meet monthly and through there, I was really able to meet other survivors, same age group. And not only were we discussing our challenges with having cancer, either being in active treatment or just surviving it, because all of us were in different stages, we were able to connect on the different challenges that came with having to go through our treatments and surviving. And so I was able to really have everything validated for me because I was alienated. As I said, we had recently moved to Manitoba. So it was just myself, my husband and my two kids. I had no family support. It was just me. So that was, I think, what saved me in the long run was being able to make those lifelong connections. And now we're five years out and I'm still very, very close to them. I actually just got discharged from cancer care yesterday. Wow. Congratulations. <laughs> that's amazing. That's, that's I, great news. It's amazing journey that, you know, what people can go through and their different trials in life and come out stronger. And I've heard that you're still involved with the act now that, you know, you've, you've always been just discharged and you're, and you're moving on, but you're still staying involved with the act. That's correct. Yeah. So after a few years of participating, I volunteered as a local life leader. And so the goal was to connect other survivors in, in creating these fun events where we can connect without having to talk about cancer. And so we would do different activities such as like axe throwing or going skating on the Red River. So it was really, really great to, to hang out with everyone and people that you would never meet otherwise. And now I'm actually looking uh, to work with them full time. That's yeah. amazing. I love that. I love that yeah. in that story. That's great. Well, obviously it resonated with you and I'm sure that that energy that you're sharing right now emanates with the people that you work with as well, which is, is exactly what people need at that point, especially somebody with lived experience with it. Now, if somebody's listening and, and they're struggling, maybe like you were when you were going through it all, what's your message to them? Don't be scared to reach out. Even, even if you're able to just 
find a support group and just listen or even just read some of the posts, you'll find it how you'll find it incredibly valuable and how much validation you'll find. And so Yak does have a Facebook support group. And when I was first introduced to them, I was notorious for just reading everything. I never posted anything for a few years. And I found it so incredibly validating to see some other individuals posting stories that I was able to relate to. But also there was some amazing stories that were very inspirational. Yeah. You know, of you know, some who were five years out, for instance. And now I'm in in the spot where I'm able to share my story and hopefully serve as inspiration for others. Yeah, and definitely are. And it seems like such a daunting mountain to climb when you're when you're facing the bottom of it, but you get to the top and I'm sure it feels pretty good. I, I'm I'm really appreciate you taking the time to share your story with us today. Congratulations on your discharge of the cancer program. That's fantastic. Thank you so much. <laughs> and it was really great to meet you. You as well. Thank you so much. Thank you to my guests for joining me today. Jeff is a remarkable young adult cancer survivor whose personal experience shaped Young Adult Cancer Canada and has helped thousands of people who are facing the same fight he did. Jeff's journey exemplifies the power of hope, determination, and the transformative impact Yak has on young adults facing cancer. Dr. D'Agostino shared her extensive experience in oncology psychology and shed light on the unique challenges that young adults with cancer encounter. Her insights emphasize the importance of normalizing their experience and providing them with the peer support to navigate the emotional, physical, and cognitive changes brought on by the disease. And lastly, Celine is another incredible survivor. Thank you to her for sharing the pivotal role that Yak played in her healing process. Through their support groups and connections, she found validation, lifelong friendships, and the strength to move forward, even during the most challenging of times. These stories collectively reinforce the importance of community groups like Yak, and they remind us that no one should face cancer alone and that the power of community and shared experiences can truly make a difference. So thanks for tuning in. I'm your host, Dr. Mike Wall. We'll see you back here next week for another episode of The Wall Show on your VOCM.